Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. I am Dr. Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and a holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in doing an one-on-one online Ayurvedic consultation to enhance the quality of your health, please check the show notes of this podcast or visit vigneshdevraj.com in the consultation we will discuss the steps to integrate ayurveda in becoming your healthiest version be it with food ayurvedic herbal preparations lifestyle changes and also personalized meditations what makes ayurveda unique in its healing approach is its practical wisdom on the concept of vata Vata is responsible for prana the life energy Vata is responsible for the nervous system which is the master control panel of our body and our emotions Hence in Ayurveda it is mentioned when you balance the Vata you balance your life and the art of healing is actually the art of balancing Vata With over 15 years of my Ayurvedic medical practice I have encapsulated my experiential wisdom on what it takes to balance the vata for a modern lifestyle and designed a course called balancing the mighty vata this course is filled with practical inputs that can be easily integrated into your lifestyle please check the show notes of this podcast to get access for this content or do visit drvignesh.teachable.com A very warm welcome to all of you to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. This is your host Dr. Vignesh Devraj. In this episode, I am interviewing Dr. Pankaj Witch, a board certified in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine and practices in Pleasanton, California. His areas of interest includes lifestyle medicine, nutrition, fitness and mindfulness. He is the author of a wonderful book which I highly recommend called Turbo Metabolism. 8 weeks to a new you preventing and reversing diabetes obesity heart disease and other metabolic diseases by treating the causes the topics that i discuss with dr pankaj in this episode it includes why it's difficult to lose weight for some people and what can they do about it steps to enhance metabolism importance of sleep routine and movement and what it means to have healthy food that can help to enhance your metabolism and also we discuss how to reduce uric acid this is a highly informative session hope you enjoyed this episode and now we go over to dr pankaj witch dr pankaj witch thank you so much for being back in the podcast i'm so looking forward to having this discussion with you wonderful i'm delighted to be back i relish at any opportunity to talk to you dr vignesh devraj so right back at you i'm delighted and honored and flattered to be a guest on your spectacular show Thank you doctor thank you thank you so much it means a lot from someone like you so doctor you know the last 3 years you know uh, ever since uh, i took my work online and seeing a lot of patients uh, and even before that this was a common problem with the patients and one of the problem is there is a group of people who complain well not just complain it's actually their reality that no matter how much uh, i have a diet and how much our exercise but for me to lose weight is like a herculean or himalayan task 
And for this question, you know, you have a lot of answers, but uh, I don't think there's a better person than you, you know, since you have written this book, uh, Turbo Metabolism, which clearly describes about the points, what makes metabolism tick? And is it something genetics? Is it something my lifestyle? Is it something to do with my mindset? So I want to deep dive into those key factors that makes metabolism tick, especially for those who say that losing weight is a Himalayan task for me, you know, what to take from there. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. And it's very open ended. I think we should start off with really giving people a definition or some understanding of what is metabolism. Exactly. Right? Yes. So metabolism is energy delivery. Hmm. That's that simple. It's the process of taking fuel and converting into energy in the most efficient possible way so that we can propel the body forward and if you take the analogy and think about it as a car, it's the system by which you put fuel in the fuel tank. It goes into the engine and distributes energy to the tires to move the car forward, right? Mm -hmm. If that system is not working properly, if there's something clogged where energy isn't flowing the way that it's designed to flow, then your car doesn't move forward. Instead, it's moving slow or making unusual noises or producing smoke or, or smog and just creating pollution rather than doing what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. So that is impaired metabolism. Yeah. Yes. And the liver is the most important organ in the body for this. Mm. You know, if you ask people who, who is the most important organ, somebody will say my brain or my heart or my kidneys which is all true. There's 79 different major organs in the body. But when you think about energy regulation, immune system, it is uh, the liver that is the most important organ. And I think that is something that we have in common mm -hmm. between Ayurveda and Western medicine. Mm -hmm. That I know in Ayurveda too, liver is considered to be very, very important. And digestive process or impairment in the digestive process mm -hmm. is considered as the basis of almost all the diseases. Hmm. So true. So here, you know, I remember reading in your book, uh, Turbo Metabolism, where you give a fantastic analogy for a common man to understand. You talk about, uh, imagine you have a lot of money in your bank account and your debit card or credit card, you just forgot the pin number. So it's, it's there, but it's there like in a reserve, but you don't know how to make it into like the word liquidity in financial terms. So the liquidity is missing, but I have all the assets somewhere. So yes, so, so same what, thing. Exactly. So what makes that liquidity happen in our body? So it's the same thing. We can think about a human body or a car or a bank yes, account. Exactly, exactly. It is designed for that, that energy to flow, whether it's fuel for your car or money from your bank account to your wallet to for you to be able to spend it and buy the things that you want. Mm -hmm. If it gets trapped somewhere, mm. and like you said, you have it, but you don't have access to it, right? Somebody mm -hmm. froze, froze your accounts or somehow something happened, there was some fraudulent thing. And you know, you can see the money, but you mm -hmm. can't use it. Essentially, exactly. that's what's happening when we when we see so many people now who have gained 20, 30, 50 pounds over the course of the pandemic. It was a problem before that too, but I think it really got accentuated, right? So they have all this fat that you can see. If fat is energy and somebody has a you know, huge belly, mm. the energy is there, 
but they don't have access to it. So they feel tired, they feel sluggish, they feel short of breath if they're trying to go up the stairs. You know, they can't do the things that they want to do and enjoy the full pleasures of life that they deserve to enjoy because mm-hmm. the energy is trapped somewhere and they don't have access to it. So what are the, you know, factors that makes energy get trapped in today's lifestyle? Uh, and of course, you know, we all understand we are not designed to sit and be in front of the computer for nine to five. We are designed to move, run, escape, climb trees. But today, you know, the, the, we have create, redesigned our environment in such a way that we cannot escape this computer and chair and that lifestyle. So if we have to redesign according to this current lifestyle, what should we do to enhance our metabolism? Yeah, beautiful question. I think we go back to the liver, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone has impaired metabolism and we might say they have pre-diabetes or they already have diabetes, they have some impaired insulin uh, sensitivity. So mm-hmm. we call that metabolic syndrome, which is mm-hmm. which is a, essentially a term to describe excess belly fat, excess triglycerides, mm-hmm. excess blood pressure, low HDL, mm-hmm. and impaired blood glucose. Those five things define metabolic syndrome. That means mm-hmm. that their energy delivery and distribution system is impaired. And mm-hmm. the problem is all in the liver. And I think as, as you enumerated some of the underlying causes. It's all lifestyle. It's sedentariness, but more Mm -hmm. than that, it's living in an environment of caloric excess, right? Mm -hmm. And you couple with that too much stress, not enough sleep. We are trapped indoors. We are spending way more time in front of the screen and sitting in our chairs. Sitting is the new smoking. Mm -hmm. So, So essentially you've taken, we have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years in calorie deficiency, right? Mm, Humans mm. were roaming around, looking for food, foraging in the forest. And that's what we're designed to do. And we can survive for a long period of time doing that. But you take that same organism and you put it in a different environment. The environment is of calorie excess, excess of food, excess of the wrong kinds of food, which is high in calories, low in nutrients, now you've got a recipe for this disaster mm. on a biochemical level. Uh, do you want me to keep going or I can stop yes, here? Yes, yes, doctor. I love this content. Yes, please go ahead. So on a biochemistry or a physiology level, what's happening is that because of that imbalance of putting in the type of fuel that we're not designed to consume in the first place, a fuel that's high in salt, oil, sugar, SOS, right? Fried foods, processed foods that are high in calories, low in nutrients, we are overloading Mm. the energy distribution system and the liver is the filter. So Mm. everything goes to the liver and, and you, so the liver says, Oh my God, there's this excess of energy and it's really can be stored in two forms in the liver. One is glycogen, Mm -hmm. which, which is uh, converts to glucose and we can burn it more quickly. And the second is triglycerides. Mm. So if we are overwhelming the liver with all this energy that it just can't, the body can't store it, but the liver is a filter. So it says it's going to get sacrificed first. So the liver is getting loaded with these triglycerides. This is like these big fat logs, these big fat pieces of wood that's fuel. Mm. But in order to burn it, you need some of the really fine wood, the kindling to start the fire. The energy, the agni. 
Agni, yeah. Yes. So, we, so you can, if you're doing a yagna, you call, you know, you have the very fine material that needs to start the fire first, and then mm -hmm. the bigger wood can start burning. That's glycogen. But there's no room, there's no space in the liver for glycogen. All you mm -hmm. have is all these triglycerides, all these mm -hmm. fat logs, which can't burn. Which are wet and not dry, and it takes a lot of time to get it dried and then convert Exactly. It. And you try to burn it, and what happens when you try to burn wet Fantastic. fat logs? Mm. You get smoke, you get, you know, you're coughing because there's all this soot that's being produced. It's black, it's unpleasant, mm. and you can't get the fire going. So you've got the energy, right? It's the same thing. You've got the fuel in the car, or you've got the money in the bank. You can see it. You can see the balance. But... In that order conversion. to access it, you need the kindling, you need the Agni to be able to start that fire and convert that potential energy into kinetic energy hmm. and put it to use for the things that we want, that you and I want to do, which is we want to do Surya Namaskar, we want to go for a walk, we want to go hiking up the mountain, we might want to go for a run, we want to ride our bicycle, we want to do all the things that we enjoy and move the body the way it's designed to be moved. But we can't do that because we have all this energy that is not available to us at our disposal, even though it's mine. I think it's mine, but I can't use it. So is it really mine? <laughs> that's the, now we need to crack that. That's where we need to crack it. So doctor, uh, you know, I really appreciate how you put it in the layman's language. Now, uh, when we talk about triglycerides. I mean, you know, usually people come and say, I have high cholesterol. So cholesterol, you know, there are multiple things that comes in a blood work when it comes to the lipid profile. So you would, as uh, according to your experience uh, with your studies, you would say that triglycerides is more important when it comes to, you know, belly fat or overconsumption problems um, than the, all the other uh, markers in lipid profile. Like it has HDL, LDL, triglycerides. And among these, you would put triglycerides as the main culprit when it comes to the excess belly fat and the metabolic syndromes. I would, yes. I mean, all yes. those components are important. Total cholesterol is made up of, like you said, HDL, which we say is a good cholesterol, LDL, which traditionally we have always focused on as the bad cholesterol hmm. and triglycerides. But when we think about metabolism and energy storage, it is the triglycerides, which I think we need to focus on the most. Because if okay. we can reduce the number of triglycerides that are being stored. And by the way, liver is the initial, the first stop. It's the filter. Mm, mm, but mm, once mm. that filter gets clogged, then those excess triglycerides, i.e. fat, just show up. Okay. will get everywhere else. They affect the pancreas, the muscles, the brain. So essentially, you're creating a situation where all of these other vital organs mm. now are unable to utilize energy. If your brain is unable to utilize energy, you can't think clearly, you might start forgetting. It is the, the process of starting dementia or cognitive deficit. Mm. If your heart is getting blocked with fat, we call that coronary artery disease and you're not able, it's not going to be able to pump properly. Same thing is happening in the kidneys. We call it chronic kidney disease, it progresses to dialysis. Mm. If it's getting in the muscles, the muscles can't utilize energy mm. and that is, so what happens to the excess energy? It's, it's staying in the bloodstream. So you, hmm. you eat a mango, your body isn't able to utilize the energy into muscles to be able to climb the mango tree. Instead, 
you have high blood sugar because same thing you have a backup of that fuel in the system in the pipes mm. rather than being able to consume it and use it to climb up the tree so uh, what should i do as let's say my triglycerides are very high and i'm uh, i go and complain i see that yes doing exercise is helpful i'm living a sedentary lifestyle so i go to some place and work out like tomorrow's my olympic uh, result and then i realize i don't have energy and this is also not letting me lose weight so where did i go wrong here doctor exercise is good but exercise is not going to be the answer i think 80% hmm. of the solution is going to be in food in food Fantastic. choices and we are not talking about calorie restriction we are hmm. talking about putting the right fuel in the body hmm. right if just like if you have an airplane it takes a certain kind of fuel we call it jet fuel if you have a truck maybe it needs diesel if you have a motorcycle it needs a different kind of fuel if you're driving a car a race car it has a different kind of fuel so it's about putting the right fuel in the machine which is is designed and it has evolved again over hundreds of thousands of years to consume that kind of that kind of fuel if you mm. put in the right fuel give it the body the diet that is high in nutrients but low in calories which is opposite to the diet which most people are eating mm-hmm. it is in inherently going to heal itself it's it's made to heal itself by default mm-hmm. it will heal like this high in nutrients and low in calories in in ayurvedic textbooks we have a statement in sanskrit it's called guru cha apatarpanam apatarpanam means that which is not so uh, consuming and nourishing but at the same time it's something that is quite deep and uh, it enhances your energy levels so i think this yes. is the statement that you're trying to say it in a, such a beautiful way to understand no i mean you said it in one <laughs> one phrase so that's much more el- eloquent <laughs> and elegant than than i could have and what i'm referring to essentially is unprocessed plant foods mm-hmm. this is what we have evolved to eat over long 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 tradition unprocessed of, of, plant food unprocessed that's the most important term i think unprocessed Un- unprocessed plant food yeah i mean there are a lot of vegetarians you know in in south asia there's a lot of vegans who are eating a bunch of processed you know we call them fast food vegans or <laughs> you know a lot of people in india are vegetarian but they're eating all the wrong vegetarian foods what i'm talking about is unprocessed plant foods which we also call a whole food plant based diet or a mm. nutrient dense plant rich diet so it's nutrient dense it's plant rich and these are going to be unprocessed plants so mm. you think about a, a hearty salad that has all the colors of the rainbow in it mm. from things that came in their natural form you could have spinach you could have carrots you could have onions you could have mushrooms maybe have some beans in there you can have some nuts some seeds everything is in its natural color and in its natural form mm. unprocessed means nothing is added nothing is taken away mm. so it, you know there's very little change made to the the food from the way that it came from nature to us so when you put more of these fuel this is how we convert or have more glycogen and less triglycerides we're going to have less triglycerides and more glycogen because there's a trick here so you're talking mm-hmm. about calorie restriction mm-hmm. and if you think about these foods most of them are high in nutrients 
and they're not very high in calories. Mm-hmm. So without having to count calories, you were actually able to accomplish the calorie reduction as well. So you can eat as much as you want. You can have mm-hmm. a pile of salad, you know, eight inches high. But if it's made up of, you know, green leafy vegetables and, and plants, it's going to be filling. It's going to be nourishing. It's going to give you the nutrients that you need mm. without overloading with calories, thereby allowing the body, forcing the body really to consume the calories, the energy that's already stored, mm-hmm. right? So if you eat like that, you're providing some glycogen, you're providing that agni, and then you do some physical activity. Mm. To, that's where to, it matters. To jumpstart the process, to kickstart the process, to use all the stored energy that you have. Mm-hmm. And then we can get into a lot of Ayurvedic concepts about meal timing, mm-hmm. about enhancing the digestive process, about eating earlier in the day, eating fewer times in the day. So it's not only about meal composition, but meal frequency and meal timing so mm-hmm. that we can optimize all those factors to mobilize the stored energy. And it'll take a while. It might take six or eight weeks or 12 weeks. But once we do that and we can clear that backlog, right, then we don't have to work as hard because then you've got the glycogen, you use it up, it's gone. And then it's just a matter. Yeah. And the liver actually shrinks. Somebody with fatty liver may have a liver that's double or triple or quadruple the size that it needs to be like a basketball. Hmm. And it will shrink back to its normal size. And once that filter is there, then all the other organs that are downstream from the liver that are getting the nutrients are also going to chance, have a chance to heal because the filter is working properly. Fantastically good, doctor. So here, I will just sum up what we described so far. So you're saying over-exercising is not the solution for weight loss. Maybe it is contributing to your weight loss, but unless you're focused on a good high nutrient, but low in calorie diet, no matter how much you exercise, it's not going to have any impact. In fact, you might only get injured. Exactly. You're Mm -hmm. going to get injured because when you have all this extra fat stored, it's also creating more inflammation in the body. Mm. So yeah, you're in a pro-inflammatory state and you're doing some strenuous physical activity. And your cortisol goes up. Cortisol is high. Mm. You're loading up the muscles and the the bones and the joints. You will actually injure something. So mm-hmm. we, I might even venture to say that for the first, if somebody's really, you know, overweight, it might make sense for the first six to eight to 12 weeks to not even start exercise and just work on the diet part first mm-hmm. to come down to a more reasonable weight to cut the inflammation down and then start exercising once, you know, your body's able to actually handle the weight that you're at. Maybe improve your gentle walks, maybe take it a little longer, but don't put any too much stress on your joints or do intense weight training. Start with your diet first, like eliminate all processed food, go for much more uh, food that are closer to nature. And then uh, then the next steps will focus on what we described. So, well, aptly put, doctor, there's one thing that I want to ask you to, um, which I'm, I feel I'm going out of the topic. But it's also relevant here. You know, it's only in the 70s I heard, I'm not sure the real reference. Only in the 70s that we started reading about non-alcoholic fatty liver. So till then, people were under the impression that fatty liver is all about alcoholism. 
but now we see that there is even a term called non alcoholic fatty liver which made the alcoholic people very happy that at least they were able to enjoy alcohol and uh, go through the suffering but there are people who can't enjoy the alcohol uh, and still go through the suffering so what it means is it's not just the, on one hand if you see alcohol is pure sugar and today we are getting it in different forms of high intense sugar that's also the reason why i guess so if you could put your thoughts on that doctor you're absolutely right yeah i mean when you and i were studying these things hmm. you know not even in the 70s even in the 80s hmm. alcohol was the main cause of liver damage now if you talk to liver transplant surgeons or people who take care of people with end stage liver disease fatty liver is the number one cause hmm. for liver damage and liver transplant so absolutely over overeating obesity overweight has has overtaken hmm. alcohol as not that al- alcoholism is any less people are still drinking the problems, way more than, exactly yeah hmm. but this is it's a, it is an even bigger problem hmm. is overweight and obesity because of the change in the environment where um, even in developing countries we are we have a big chunk of the population that is over consuming calories from the wrong kinds of food food that is not nutrient dense and plant rich but on the opposite it is nutrient poor mm. uh, and uh, plant poor as well so so it's all eating processed foods and they could be vegans they could be vegetarians you know they could be omnivores it doesn't really matter so so let's so uh, cure we... the liver and you can cure Mm-hmm. impaired metabolism so i would like to reinterpret like you know in the spiritual world there's a term called spiritual bypassing no matter your spiritual doesn't mean that you're going to progress in your spiritual world if you keep bypassing it same way no matter even if you're a vegan or vegetarian if you're eating processed food it doesn't guarantee you that your food eating habits are healthy so eliminating processed food is very important that's something And that I, we have to Yes. yeah and i would make one more point to that sure. which would be that you know you say somebody is an addicted to alcohol or they're addicted to smoking or they're addicted to drugs hmm. well guess what the biggest addiction is more than any of those things those are food. ill sugar food. so <laughs> essentially the addiction to salt oil sugar which hmm. is in the form of processed food hmm. is is legal it's socially acceptable it's something that you can do quietly you're not bothering anybody Mm. and we have an epidemic of food addiction which is mm. really no different really no different from you know you can look down at somebody who's a drug addict or an alcoholic but someone who's eating food in excess wrong kinds of food in excess of what their body needs is just as guilty my goodness i uh, okay we have we, we could also look at it that way wow so it's it's as good as saying that um, addiction for food is something that we all are somewhere trapped that we have to really be conscious about it yeah and the environment that we live in makes it so easy and you mm-hmm. look at advertising you look at you know anywhere you go you go look at how we socialize over food mm-hmm. how you know you go to your friend's house you you say okay let's you're meeting somebody for a long time let's meet at this restaurant we'll meet over lunch we'll meet for drinks we'll meet at this bar it's all about food food yes eating to excess and mm. it's socially acceptable and fashionable to do so mm. so doctor how do we come out of the trap now uh, where do we start and now we spoke about the other one part is high 
nutrient low calorie this is the this is the first step you tell people to start if they have a metabolic issue they are not able to lose weight no matter how much they exercise or even change with the food so maybe it's not just not eating or fasting it's about high nutrient low calorie which is like eliminate processed food eliminate high sugary salty fatty food but go for more food that are very close to nature and which are high in fiber high in nutrients this is the first step now what are what will be the next steps that we have to follow doctor well even before that i think it would be make a goal right mm. so make mm. it something that's finite make it so that you're not yo yo dieting going up and down and going through the addiction and the withdrawal over and over again so you set a set a time mm-hmm. okay, i'm going to do this for 20 weeks mm. and i'm going to change so 20 weeks is something that you would recommend for people to have in mind don't expect a quick fix weight loss program oh, oh at least i mean that's just that's just to get the habits down it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not going to fix the problem but it is enough time that you will see a noticeable change you'll see a noticeable change in in about 3 or 4 months where you'll see the difference in your energy you'll see the difference in your physical body and people can notice it as well and maybe just work on one meal a day make make lunch the main meal of the day make it a big salad with all of these things that we talked about nutrient dense plant rich foods for one meal a day mm. that would be the first step after you set the goal then you add exercise as you said more intense exercise you could be walking during this initial phase but you can add you would add some resistance exercise to activate the large muscles in the body mm. because that will increase your resting metabolic rate the rate at which your muscles you're burning energy even at rest so It resistance increases. is important giving resistance to your muscle is important because that will trigger your body to think that okay i need to use it so let's just burn more uh, of the st- stored energy that i am having in reserve exactly you're burning you're burning and you're bur- and you're building those muscles you're re- really waking them up and for many of us who who've been sitting since covid started we've been sitting for 2 3 years it's really mm. waking up those large muscles and it doesn't have to be at the gym it doesn't have to be with you know heavy 50 pound dumbbells or doing mm-hmm. 300 pound bench press it could be simple things like surya namaskar is beautiful it has mm-hmm. all the all exercises all the posters yes all the yep, flow this fantastic mm. planks it has push ups it has squat it has lunges it has core muscles everything is included you can you do you know maybe start with two or five and mm. build it up to 108 you know mm-hmm. or something like that and it's energizing you do it in the morning looking at the sun mm. saluting the sun and really connecting with the life force that sustains us all fantastic so uh, apart from that you know i still remember in your speeches uh, and in your book you talk about the power of routine you know which is something very close to what ayurveda also talks about so why is routine important and you also talk about the importance of sleep like i think one of the sleep follows in one of the top 4 5 of five chapters in your book so let's talk about that and why that is important in your um, metabolism yeah so we can talk about sort of the pillars first which yes. we talked about two of them one was food mm-hmm. other was moving the body third would be sleep Mm. third would be sleep because it is doing sleep that cortisol goes down the body is repairing itself the brain is resetting itself memories are being consolidated from short term to long term memories or the ones that you don't need are being purged out that's in the brain but the physical body is purging itself and cleansing mm. itself at the same time too 
And we need that to be able to heal and build that resilience and make this transformation. There's a reason why we spend a third of our lives sleeping. It's, mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't important by now, we, have, we would have evolved to not need that. Mm. But, you know, managing stress, which I think relates to also having meaningful connections, right? Mm-hmm. Friends, connections, people that support you, which you need somebody who's a buddy in this journey. If you're making a big journey like this, you need someone who can be your support person, who can be your partner in this, who, can, mm. who you can bounce ideas off of. And, and yeah, and making all of this a routine because guess what? Behavior change, habit change is very difficult. You know, mm. if, you've, if you've had, uh, you know, if you've raised a child or you have uh, brought a puppy home, even an animal, right? You have to set those routines. You have to repeat, you have to train over and over and over again because by default... Till it default, becomes on an autopilot, yes. Till it becomes habit. Hey, I wake up at such and such time. This is my routine. I brush my teeth. I you know, do my morning ablutions. Then I exercise or I meditate or mm. you know, whatever it is that you do. I know that you've been doing those things probably mm-hmm. since you were a little boy. And mm. it, so it becomes part of your nature, right? So it's not mm. something that... You don't need an alarm. You don't need somebody nagging you. You don't need to think about it. It's mm. automatic. So we want to eliminate that decision fatigue. Hey, should I do this? Should I not do this? It's my routine. I This is what I do. And then it doesn't re- require any thinking. It doesn't require any decision making. Mm. It doesn't require any willpower, right? People say, hey, how you do this? This seems so hard. Mm. And I would say, no, it doesn't. It's not hard. Actually, doing what you do you're, you know, staying up late, going to parties till midnight, one o'clock mm. every night, every, you know, on the weekends and all this, that would be hard for me. What mm. I do is easy because it's routine. So along with food, along with routine, I mean, um, exercise, sleep plays such an important role. So it's as good as saying, if you don't have a good sleep hygiene, no matter how much healthy you eat and how much you exercise, it will still go haywire. So sleep also has to be part of this checklist to make the make the whole train go smoothly. Yeah, more than a checklist, I would say that this is it's the foundation, foundation. right? So we're okay. we're talking about we're talking about diet, we're talking mm. about exercise, right? Those are phys- very physical things. It's okay, mm-hmm. you can eat this phys- very specific thing. I want you to exercise like this, but for that to happen, that's the that's the house. The foundation of the house is underground. I'm not going to be able to do that until mm. my foundation is strong. My foundation is sleep, mm. stress, and my connections with others, my relationships. So, in fact, there's a very long, one of the longest studies done at Harvard, the Harvard Longevity Study. It's mm-hmm. been going on for almost a century. And mm. they looked at various factors and they took people who were entering Harvard uh, mm. and, you know, when you're entering college, you might be 17, 18, mm-hmm. and they followed mm-hmm. them. Now these men are in their 80s and 90s. Mm. And the ones that are alive and the ones that are doing well are the ones that had the strongest network of friends in their 50s. Mm. So we talk about the foundational aspects of connection and stress and sleep. And that's what's going to sustain mm. your ability to do sustain these behavior changes which are challenging which can be difficult that's quite true i mean when i see people with who have beautiful friendships and relationships 
and connections maybe they binge eat maybe they have some unhealthy behaviors but still that i think somewhere compensates for some of the unhealthy habits that you have and it's okay right i mean people become so ashamed of themselves and you know they beat themselves up and actually do more harm mm, it's okay mm. if if you know if you were with friends and you you know overindulged or you did you know you ate as long as you balance it later you know exactly if you're mm. doing the right things 90 plus percent of the time once you have the habits and the routine in mm. right i wouldn't do that i wouldn't say that for someone who's just starting and just coming to us in their first 20 weeks but if they've been doing it for years then once in a while if you fall off the wagon you jump right back on and there's no judgment fantastic so doctor it's not genetics when it comes to metabolic issues maybe it would have a predisposition but you cannot blame everything on genetics absolutely so there's a whole science of epigenetics right so mm-hmm. yes so i you know and i have one line which i had heard and i repeated all the time that summarizes it well and it's like genetics is like a loaded gun mm. right so mm. you have the potential for that gun to go off so genetics loads a gun but it's environment that pulls the trigger fantastic yes mm-hmm. so so you got a loaded gun it's fine you know you you could go around with having a loaded gun in your house for your whole lifetime mm. but until somebody picks it up and pulls the trigger there's no it's not going to do any harm so it's the environment that's going to to pull the trigger manifest whatever potential good or bad could happen mm-hmm. from that genetics i mean i might have genetic potential to be you know the best carnatic singer or the best mm-hmm. violin player in the world but if i didn't get the training i didn't pull the trigger i didn't practice i'm not going to no manifest use. that good mm-hmm. thing either so if let's say that i have a loaded gun for metabolic issues So one hand yes i have to eliminate the triggers but is it possible to unload the gun so you you can reverse disease in the mm-hmm. sense that if someone has a manifestation of the disease itself you can reverse diabetes you can reverse coronary disease you can reverse uh, potential for cancer uh, but the loaded if we're saying that genetics is a loaded gun you can't change your genetics right you can't mm-hmm. go back and change who your mom and dad are but you can change the epigenetics which mm. will really determine what how that genetics will manifest itself to such an extent that even if i get exposed to the triggers it is not going to really shoot right yeah because you put a lock on the gun right mm-hmm. so even if somebody is then trying to push the trigger it's not really going to fire because you have enough mechanism safety mechanisms in place to make it essentially equal to an unloaded gun really fantastic <clears throat> so let's just not blame it on the genetics uh, yes eliminating the trigger is the first step and then parallelly we stay long enough like 20 weeks is a good time to reverse certain aspects and then even if you get exposed to some of the triggers it's not like you're going to put on weight immediately it's it'll have a huge impact yeah because you have the reserve right your filters exactly. are good so even mm. if you ingested something or got exposed to something that's not that healthy the filter mechanism is in place so that it'll keep it from impacting mm. the rest the rest of your being the rest of your body so your people who complain uh, doctor i am not eating that much 
but I'm exercising a lot, but still I'm not able to lose weight. What they are avoiding to be very truthful and honest is maybe I am over-exercising. Maybe I am eating less, but I'm still eating some junk and processed food. The wrong and then foods, yeah. The wrong food, and yes. I would tell them, don't think about the calories. Don't even mm. read the calories, but look at the quality of the food. And then I'm not having a good sleep hygiene and I'm not having a proper stress coping mechanism. This is where yeah. they are missing out. Absolutely. So if you're, you, you could be over-focused on one thing, mm. but you're only sleeping four hours a night or you're not having good quality sleep because you're staying up late, working on the computer, on your laptop, getting the blue light from the screen or watching, mm, mm, you know, mm. 10 minute binging on some serials on Netflix till late at night and you're not getting enough sleep, your body's not getting a chance to Recover. really reap the benefit of all the hard work that you're doing. That you do. So, so you have to put all of this in place. Only then that's where we are able to break that code. Yeah, but start with food, right? Start yes, with food. That's the first step. Then get to exercise. Simultaneously, you're working on sleep and stress the whole time because that's the foundation. Fantastic. Doctor, could you also put your thoughts on uric acid? Because this is something that I also see along with this, you know, people will come with uric acid as well. Yep. High uric acid, which manifests as gout, mm -hmm. is, is a symptom of metabolic syndrome. Mm. So people that have insulin resistance, that have those five things that we said that are part of metabolic syndrome, are likely much more likely to have high, high uric, uric acid. acid. Mm. Uric acid is, is, is a component of protein breakdown. Mm. And uh, there's an enzyme called xanthine oxidase that breaks down certain amino acids and uric acid is a byproduct of it. Mm. This whole pathway can get impaired in mm. overweight and obesity where number one, they're overproducing uric acid. Number two, they're not able to excrete it properly. Normally we mm. should be able to pee it, eliminate, eliminate it. it out. So this would be a good point to mention water. We didn't talk about hydration. Mm -hmm. So if you're hydrating properly, you're flushing out the system you're also feeling more full because your stomach gets distended from the water intake and staying well hydrated is a way to get energy and fuel into all the cells in the body. But mm. it's also a way to eliminate things like excess uric acid so mm. that you can urinate it out rather than having it accumulate in the joints where it can cause inflammation, which manifests as gout. So apart from, you know, all the, you know, the steps that we discussed for the metabolic issues, like with food, sleep, stress, movement. For uric acid, you and of course, water is important. Hydration is important. Would you add anything else for bringing down the uric acid? Well, so we said it's a component of protein breakdown. So if, mm -hmm. we, if we cut down the intake of animal protein, that's one of the most profound ways in which we Animal protein. Animal protein. Mm -hmm. And which includes dairy, which includes mm -hmm. dairy, butter, yogurt. paneer, yogurt, all the animal protein. You can get some uric acid production from plant protein as well. But in general, plant protein is a lot healthier. People that eat more protein from plants live longer and have healthier lives. People that get their protein from animals, whether that's eggs, chicken, mm -hmm. beef, lamb, pork, or even things like paneer, ghee, yogurt. This whey protein? What do you think about whey protein? Whey protein is dairy, not good. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, a, it's a byproduct. Of, so if you have high uric acid, you have to be careful about that. Absolutely. That's so good, doctor. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Uh, you summed up so many things. I'm sure many people listening to this, you know, they would have had, oh my God, I didn't realize this. I'm sure many people could relate to that. 
and i will put the link for people to connect with your book and if they can also download it from amazon i highly recommend his book turbo metabolism it's so easy to understand uh, explained in a layman's language if you want to understand where we miss the bus when it comes to losing weight or improving the uh, you know this metabolism uh, dr pankaj which thank you so much my pleasure always a delight to have a conversation with you and i learned so much from you as well dr vignesh thank you thank you thank you for listening to ayurvedic healing and beyond if you loved and enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe share and review us this helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing if you wish to know more about my work please do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com and if you are interested in doing an ayurveda treatment or authentic panchakarma therapy please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com